How's everybody doing today? Man, it's good to be here. I love this house. Uh, I'm Mike. I get to be just a friend of the house. I get to sit on the board. We love coming here. We love the Thurbers and your team. Um, how many of you guys had a great week after Easter? Anybody get to like relax a little bit? This was a super unique one for me. This was like the first time in maybe 18 years where I didn't have responsibility on a Sunday. And so like I showed up maybe 20 minutes before service started, left as everyone was still hanging out, went out to Olive Garden with the fam. I was like, this was super low key. This was good just to be a worshiper today. It was fun. Um, but I had a really cool chance this week. Uh, I went up to, or down to, I guess technically, down to uh, Phoenix. Well, a friend of mine leads a ministry for pastors and business leaders to be healthy, to stay healthy. Like the ministry is called Stay Forth instead of like go forth into all the world. It's like, hey, you heard a commission from God, stay with it. Here's how you do it. Here's sabbatical coaching. Here's this. It's super great. So I went down there. My wife took care of the kiddos for four days, and I just kind of sat in the love of God uh, with other guys who are leading, who get it. It was adventurous. It was delicious. It was refreshing, to say the least. Um, so coming off that, I just feel super full with whatever God has. And I was studying kind of like the last two weeks over some things. I did a lot of study on one topic. God shifted it. I had like six hours of prep and study and notes and verses. And God's like, that's not what I have for you. That was just for you. So tuck that away. And he gave me the word I'm going to give today, literally in like a six hour time frame Monday of last week before I left for my trip. I just feel like it's something, it's going to feel a little different today. It's going to feel a little conversational. Um, I had some time, so I mean, picture the moment right now, like me and you just sat down at a coffee shop, you know, we got coffee, we're talking, I'd probably ask you your life story, and then we'd get into the word together. Like, I feel like it's going to be that kind of vibe this morning. Um, I had a lot of time to reflect this week. We were given moments in between the activity to just sit in God's presence. They'd ask us a great question. We pray with another guy, and then we just look over our life. And one of the things I recognized is I'm super grateful uh, it's a topic I, God had already prepared to preach with you here today, but I've been discipled and trained and equipped and used and shaped in so many environments throughout my life. Um, I just had time to reflect, like I'm thankful for the people that have poured in or moments where God let me pour in. And so just, I, I kind of want to share some of those because it leads into what I'm sharing about today. Um, the different environments. So I went to a public school my whole like, you know, upbringing, childhood through high school and things like that. And I had a chance to go to a Christian college. I knew I was pursuing ministry at that point. And just the bliss, we don't understand how, how great it is when you come from a public school background, you never had it. You're like first generation Christian in your family. To sit in a lobby after hours, after like lights out time with like three other dudes that are just going hard after the presence of Jesus. And you, like we literally had hymn books because that's like all that was available was at a pretty strict college for a little bit. Uh, we had journals and the Bible and like a hymn book. And we're just looking over scripture in words and we're asking questions and we're deciding like, building the foundations of our faith through the scriptures and deciding how it's going to impact our life. And it was just one of the highlights of my life. There was basketball and all the adventurous stuff, but it was like there was a heart that was really going after the presence of God there. There was other environments of like discipleship for me. Uh, later in ministry, one of my favorite spots was uh, Tree City Smoothie. It's up in Boise, Idaho. I'm a smoothie guy. I just love strawberries and bananas together in goodness. And so some guys do coffee shop conversations. I would always invite people, hey, come grab a smoothie with me. And it became like my evangelism store. Like I'd walk in and be like, this guy doesn't know Jesus. It's going to be his day. Smoothie shops where people get saved. Um, but I would, uh, there was one dude especially, I got to lead him to Christ. And he's one of my favorite people that I discipled. And uh, it was Austin Rogerson. He got saved. And he was probably one of the most hungry people for Jesus that didn't have like a firm foundation of, of the word. So he just, everything, like I could just like give him almost any nugget of biblical truth. He'd be like, oh man, that's so good. 
right? It was just refreshing to me to be in an environment where somebody was hungry for it. Uh, other times there was, you know, so that's like a one-on-one discipleship. Other times, and that's going to be a fun word to say, I feel like I, discipleship, like I, I just feel like Sid slot, whatever that is. Uh, later in ministry, there was times where I would have to prep a lot. I would have to put a lot of time into preparing something for people. And uh, I remember one time I did a Revelation Bible study. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm talking deep. Like I was studying Daniel and Ezekiel and like the dreams and the prophecies rolled it into like a 10-week series. And I invited young adults and, and like students to show up to this thing for 10 weeks straight. We started with like 15 strong and then it was like four by the end. You guys know it's really deep. <laughs> you know, it was great for sleeping, taking naps. But um, other times discipleship was much lighter, right? It was me showing up to somebody, asking their story, letting them share their struggles, and just listening. And then I'd kind of just point their heart to Jesus in some way. We'd read a scripture or something would come to mind. I would show up with zero prep. Literally just walked into an environment and showed care. And obviously a heart to try to turn the conversation to Jesus. It just flowed. Those are lighter prep things. Or like we've led or been a part of. How many of you guys are part of like a small group or a life group in the room? Okay, I'm going to give a shameless plug. If your hand's not up, you're missing out on your friends. You're missing out on making new friends that love you, that love Jesus, will be there for you in your hardest times. Sign up for a life group today if you haven't. Small group, what do we call them here? Small groups? Life group? I love it. Uh, they just bring so much life. So get in a life group. That's a small, shameless plug. But why do I share all these? Why do I share all these moments or styles of discipleship? Uh, I think first, it's because I want you to know discipleship can look different. Uh, in, in different stages of life. It's not this cookie-cutter box thing where you have to do it a certain way. It can look different. Okay? Everybody, God has gifted you something specific and unique. Lean into that. But also, what I'm talking about today, I'm, I'm sharing these examples because I think we overcomplicate discipleship. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to share some stories with you today. And like I said, this is just coffee time. Like, we're just having conversation today. Um, as many discipleship environments as I found myself in either being a part of or being trained up or leading others, um, I always tended to com- overcomplicate it. And especially like with my kids, and I'll, I'll get into that later, but it became like a source of like stress for me to have to, oh man, I'm supposed to disciple people, I got to be doing this. And I have to like, man, I got to prep. And then I honestly just end up kind of avoiding it at different times. I would just wait for others to initiate it. But um, last week we celebrated our Savior resurrecting from the dead, taking our sin debt, defeating death, rising again, and giving us a way to be in a relationship with him. And we, we rested in that last week. That was a celebration of new life. And I know there were some of you in here that gave your life to Jesus that day. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the family. We're so glad you said yes to the best relationship you'll ever experience. Um, but the week before, so like some of you read for, you know, you're preparing for the Passover or different things. And I was reading all around kind of the resurrection before and after and just kind of soaking my heart in what Jesus did, what he accomplished, and what he wants us to do with it, right? And so I came to Luke 24. This is slightly after Jesus resurrected, and there's a story where he walked with two men on the road to Emmaus, right? They're headed there. Jesus, like, disguises himself somehow. He, he like, keeps his identity concealed to these two men, and he, you know, he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? You seem sad. And he's like, well, haven't you heard? A great man, you know, was sacrificed today. He died today, and you must be the only person in all the area to not hear of Jesus. And he's like, oh, wow, shocking. Yeah, I don't know what that is, right? But he's, he's hiding his identity. They're talking, and then they get to their destination in Emmaus. Jesus had plans to, like, go forward. He's, like, had other plans, other trajectories, other things he was after. And there's a small little nugget here that God gave me last week, the word abide. 
in one translation, they asked him to stay. They're like, hey, we know you're moving on, but would you stay with us? Would you abide with us for dinner? There's, do your own study on that. It's powerful. But uh, it spoke to me, and it was the thought that they wanted more of Jesus. And you know, so he's like, okay, I'll stay. Which, man, you invite Jesus to stay and have more time with you, you'll get it. Uh, there's so many little nuggets in here that you might just pick up today that God spoke to me. Um, but the thing is, he stayed with them. And he broke bread at dinner, which would have been done at that Last Supper. And in that moment of breaking bread with them, his identity is then revealed. And like, I mean, could you just imagine, you're sitting there with someone who just died, and in the moment, boom, he's revealed. And you're like, oh, Jesus. And the moment they're like, I picture it like they're about to react, he vanishes. <laughs> it's like, what was that? You know, like, that whole time, we're in the Rockies. Yeah, the whole, no, sorry, that's a two gloves. My mind is there today. Um, here's the deal. He vanishes before them, and you see the verse on the screen, verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road, and he opened the scriptures to us? That's my heart for today. I want us collectively to experience burning heart moments with Jesus. And it comes through time spent, and it comes through his scriptures. There's lots of things that we can get excited about. I was excited all week because I like there was an in-house chef for us. Like my mom spoiled me, sent me, you know, financially on this trip to go. My wife had the kids, and I'm just sitting there, like, not even making decisions on what I'm going to eat. Somebody's like, "Here you go. I souffléed this or souvited, souvited. Anybody know what a souvite is? Dude, it was the most tender. Okay, (laughs) we're gonna get back on track here. Have a sip of your coffee. Um. Where am I at? Okay, hearts are burning, right? Um, here's the thing. Hearts burning with Jesus doesn't just happen by accident, and it's not meant to happen just by yourself. These two men walk together. Jesus shows up. They have what probably felt like the most life-giving conversation ever, and they didn't realize it was Jesus until he was gone. Now, Jesus is resurrected. He's no longer physically with us, but his spirit is with us, you know, especially if you've called on him to be your Savior. He's ready and willing to walk with you abide with you, stay with you. So I just want us to lean in because that same Jesus that can ignite your heart, if you're like, man, you know, my life feels a little mundane, my, my Christianity just feels a little... Li-. Jesus is meant, like when we're in a relationship with him, our hearts will burn as we spend time with him. That, that maybe satisfaction you've been missing out on, it's found in his presence. And before he rose, he gave us a life-changing, very personal, great commission. It was for all of us. It wasn't just for the disciples, although that's who we voiced it to, but they wrote it out for all of us. He gave us this very personal, life-changing, great commission. You're probably familiar with it. If you aren't, here it is. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority, just pause. We're, We're not the ones in control here. Jesus is the authority of our life. He is the creator of heaven and earth, right? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's got it. There's no question. There's no debate. Therefore, because he owns our life, our future, our direction, he gave us everything. It all belongs to him. Everything we think we earned and fought hard to attain, it's his. We're meant to steward it. All authority is his. Those are just side notes. Therefore, because of that, go. That's an action word. Go. Make. Another action word. It's not just they don't just happen. Make disciples or followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
This is super clear, right? There's not, he's like, go, show other people what it looks like to walk with me, teach them to obey the scriptures. You know, there's a whole lot of relation in that study I did the week before, prepping it, God is like, this just for you, between love and obedience and this beautiful relationship that comes out of that. But it's make disciples, go into the world, and teach them to obey, and knowing I'm with you, which if you're like me, and I'm going to share on this a little bit, like knowing that Jesus is there means you don't have to maybe have every answer because the Holy Spirit who does is in you. Okay, so take the pressure off a little bit. So he gives us a super clear commission. He's the complete authority over everything, including me. And he tells us to show other people how to follow him and his word. Notice how simple this is. This isn't some, you know, highlight of, hey, these are the theologies I want you to teach on. These are the denominations that I want you to lean into. This is the picture I'm going to paint of some eloquent, you know, one-on-one meeting where one person has all the answers and secrets to life question in some elaborate setting. That's not what he said at all. None of that. It was even in the conversation. Like, go, show other people how to follow me, teach them to obey the scriptures. So what keeps us from regularly engaging in this commission of discipleship. What stops me and you from making disciples, like he commanded, who will in turn and can make disciples, who will and can make disciples? That's the process that we got passed on from Jesus. What stops us? What, where's the gap in this? And I'm going to just give you a few options, and at the end I'll say, if any of those resonated, you know, show me. Maybe this was you. Maybe this is why. Because first, I think we've complicated it right? Complication leads to chaos, leads to being overwhelmed, right? We've complicated it. Second, maybe we think, and it, I, I, wrote, I wrote this a certain way, it's not that we are unqualified or we've unqualified ourselves, it's that we think we're unqualified from being able to lead and guide others. We look at our sin, we look at our past, we look at what others have said, we look at our lack of training, we look at whatever, and we feel disqualified, and so we don't do this. Jesus didn't say only those who, you know, I mean, man, we could lean in. Maybe you believe that this was the purpose of pastors or those that had the better gift of teaching. That you knew, you, man, when I was in his group, that guy could just lay out the scriptures and I just wanted to give everything to Jesus, right? That doesn't need to be your approach. You have a calling on your life. You have a commission. It wasn't the great gifting. It was the great commission, right? Sometimes we feel like we're not equipped or like you don't have the time to prepare. And I, Did anybody resonate with even one of those? Like those are reasons why we don't engage. Show of hands. Come on. Let's be bold. Let's get hands up. Right? No, kidding. I get crazy. Um, all of those at different points in my life were insecurities that stopped me from actually engaging in this commission of discipleship. Every one of them. And like, I could get tearful looking back at times. I let it feel too complicated. Let it feel like I didn't have the answers. I came from public background. I, my wife, when we got married, knew more of the scripture. She was trained from like a young age. And I felt insecure in so many environments. Like, man, I'm going to share something, and somebody's going to ask me a question. I'm not going to have the answer, and I don't know what to do. And it's like God freed me from that. Moment. Somebody asks you a question about Jesus you don't know, your best response is, man, that's a great question. Actually, let me do this. Let's me and you, let's dive into that next week, and maybe you go and do some homework this week. Can we get together next week and talk about Jesus and this question? You just made an appointment to talk about Jesus again. I think, I think God's okay with that, right? You don't have the answer? Say you don't have the answer. Here's the thing. All it takes is this commitment to prioritize the time, a.k.a. just show up, consistently show up. It's I'm going to put myself in this environment because this is the commission I've been given. Any other giftings, any other activities I do with my life, 
This is the one that every one of us has. Make disciples just show up. Here's the deal. We give our time to the things we care about. We give our our time to a lot of things, don't we? Work, fitness, food. I love to eat. I give a lot of time to food, right? Uh, We work. We small talk. We have family dinners. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's some hobby or racing or cars or sports, watching, playing. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe the list goes on. We make time for the things we care about. And on top of all the things that consume our time and our schedule, there's a lot of distractions that creep in to our agendas, right? Things that consume hours and days, if we're honest. If you guys ever go on your phone, you look at your downtime setting, if it's an iPhone, you can see the hours you spend per day just scrolling, just checking your phone, touching how many touches. That, that's a convicting moment, right? Um, that's a whole other conversation. But here's the deal. I feel like there's like, when I look at my life, and especially I look back to times when I didn't prioritize the time, I felt like there was like this time thief, like just robbing me of time. That's whole purpose was to like lure me away, to distract me with lesser things when I knew I was here for purpose, to lure me off that path of righteousness and fruitful relationship with Jesus. As we know, there is a time thief. His name's Satan, or maybe it's just selfishness or laziness, right? There's this time shifting that happens where we don't maximize the time we're given, and it happens every day. But if we prioritize that time, because here's the deal, we know, we know this, like if you're in church today, you know the word of God, you know it's his like love letter to you, it's the lamp to salvation, it's the path to righteousness, it's the truth for life, it's the source of wisdom, it's all the things we need, right? So where's the disconnect? We know we ought to spend time in the Word, alone with God, but then we also know He's invited us into this follow me as I follow Christ relationship. But there's a disconnect. There's a gap here. So can I just be super transparent with you? For years, as a dad, you know, I've been, my oldest is almost 16. I've been a dad for 16 years. We were pastors for quite some time. I've discipled many people. For whatever reason, I have struggled for years to consistently disciple my boys. My wife does a killer job discipling our daughter. She's down in the kids' area today. Our boys are with like their connect group doing things at a different church today. I struggled, and I don't mean just like struggled. I mean massively struggled. I would look at pictures of them when they were like, there was these, I remember a moment in Texas especially. I was laying on the floor one night. I don't know if there was worship playing or what, but I was in that, in that spirit. And I looked up at like above our, our glass windows along our back part of the house, and I saw the three pictures of our kids when they were like, you know, two or three. And I just started to weep, like almost uncontrollably, and it was guilt. It was, I've lost the years. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm called to disciple. The best ministry I'll ever do is in my home. And I've lost the years, and I'm looking at them as, as like, you know, young men growing and a young lady. I'm like, Mike, the time is going to be gone sooner than you think. And I just remember weeping over this. This has been a big struggle for me. The desire has always been there. The, the desire to be consistent uh, has always been there, but the gap has been, I'm inconsistent. I settle for sporadic moments. And there are so many conversations where like, my wife would kind of lean in lovingly and be like, hey, you know, when's the last time you did Bible time with the boys? And it just so happened like it was two days ago. And I'm like, oh yeah, just Tuesday, Tuesday. We have this awesome time. I'm like bragging on it, but I knew like the, the time before that, if she asked me a week ago, I'd been like, ah, uh, probably last summer. You know, like before I had that moment, that's just, 
transparent, uh, the reality of it was sporadic, and the reason was I made it too complicated. I would map out, like the times I did do like two to three weeks worth of study with my boys, again, that's a, that's a stronger word than it even needs to be, is like study. I would prep. I'd like, like I was writing sermons, I would sit down and prepare like two weeks worth of material for my boys. I'm like, we're going to read this passage. I'm going to go here. I'm going to ask these four questions. And then we're... I was so stressed at the thought of having to do that on top of sermon prep, on top of counseling, on top of... I, it became this like burden that was like a pain point for me because it was too rigid. It was boxed. It was complicated. And so it became this task that just always felt like I was failing. Anybody identify with these, these feelings? This was, this was a very long rhythm for me, honestly, until fairly recently. God started shifting some things over the last couple of years, but especially um, kind of the, over the last year or so. I'm so thankful. Uh, God did like a series of just kind of a word for me here, an encouragement from a friend here, a message that I heard here, a book that I was given here, and just started redefining what I thought discipleship was. Because I could do it with others, and I could do some Bible study, and I could make it complicated, or I could lead somebody to Christ and share the foundation, but there was a disconnect with my kids. And I think, here's the thing, I'm going to tell a little story about like me and my sons, but this applies to you if you're single, this applies if you're an empty nester, this applies if you're just working a job and you're the only Christian on site. There are opportunities where we can do something well in a, in a different environment, but it's that one environment where it's like, man, it's such a guilt point because I don't do it, I don't know what I'm doing. And I kind of want to just free us from those points of tension and maybe failure where you know this is a commission, but where are we obeying it, right? That whole fight within us. So I want to help us keep discipleship simple. Someone challenged me. Um, they said something very similar. I, I'm not like quoting them, but it said, it's just conversations about Jesus that drive us toward response. Right? Be doers of the word and not just hearers only. It's conversation about Jesus, and you know the best way to do that is around the Word, but it's just a conversation about Jesus that points you toward action in Him. Um, something happened last summer. There was a guy, anybody heard of John Tyson? He's a pastor, I believe he's in New York. He does a lot of, uh, like he does something called the Primal Path. It was this like long seven-year process he worked his son through, and I remember listening, just being so convicted, like, man, not only do I not have a process like that, <laughs> like I'm struggling just to like open the Word with them on a consistent basis. Well, he boiled down like this long thing. Somebody gave me this book. It's called The Intentional Father. Now, for me, if I'm being just transparent again, it's, it's a little overwhelming still. There's like so much process he wants you to work through to like raise your son up from the moment he's like 13 to like releasing him as a man, as an adult, equipped for life and, and in ministry if you want. And it's a beautiful process. I, I read this. I've read like at least most of it at this point. And it's just, I'm taking like nuggets away from it. It's inspiring me to create moments with my son. So that was kind of just one of the steps. And I'll just put this out there. If anybody, you know, I'd love to share a little bit about this book. I may or may not have brought like two per service to give out. If this is speaking to you today, I'd love to equip um, specific to one of the dads in the room or maybe a single mom or somebody. Um, it's called The Intentional Father, but this works for men, for women, for sons, for daughters. Um, you can get these, John Tyson, check it out. That was one of the steps in the process for me of keeping it simple. Another one, and this was kind of a big one. This was an emotional one for me. Um, it was this summer, I heard a message from a guy named Dave, Pastor David Perkins. He leads Radiant Church out in Kansas City. Uh, his, he's like a legacy of, of fathers in his line that were present, that discipled well. Like his dad wrote a book, If Jesus Were a Parent. Hal Perkins, I, I ha have it on my desk right now, um, about halfway through that one as well. Um, if Jesus Were a Parent, and it was talking about just, he shared this thing that just hit me. 
It, like, it clicked me for the first time. And he said, <clears throat> it's simply pointing the heart of your son or daughter to Jesus. That to me did not sound complicated. That to me is like, well, I can do that. I, 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 know, what it, I, I know how to ask questions to my kids. And then, so I mean, what I did with this, this was like that click moment. Everything felt like I could stop the overthinking it, the overplanning it, and just make moments to point their heart to his love, to his faithfulness, to his grace, to his mercy, to the characteristics that he's promised us. Um, and I was so moved, I began just searching for these moments. I remember bragging to my wife, like, man, I'm just going to make everyday moments with my kid. And, and maybe for some of you, this is all the words you'll need today. Because this is what Jesus did. I actually got to see a fig tree down in Phoenix this week, where, you know, uh, there was like a Jerusalem-style garden, like a biblical garden thing we went to. And I saw a fig tree. Like, Jesus walked around, he's like, hey, fig tree, here's a lesson. Or, hey, there's this farmer and some seed, here's a lesson. I started looking at life through just lessons. I'd see something like, man, that, that stirred up my spirit. I'm going to share that with my kid. Ask some good questions. It went from that to just as we traveled, as we ate dinner, as we did errands, as we did life, I just started asking what's in their heart. I just said, hey, why don't you tell me who your top few friends are and why? Who's the kind of person you want to marry one day? What are some things you want to be true of you? Or what do you want your reputation to be when you're 21? What are, you, what are you thinking is a dream that God has placed in your heart that you're not sure what to do with yet? What are, and you just start asking, get to know you questions of what's deep in your kids. And then you just, it's not that you're spinning it. You're just saying, hey, you know, God actually has a dream for you. You know that God has called you to be a great friend. You know that God, you just start leaning in with the things that they're already thinking about. Hey, tell me about a struggle at school. Can I tell you something? That struggle with that kid at school, maybe Jesus has called you to be the light in their life and they need a lot of grace. You know, it's just, Lesson after lesson, and it's easy, zero prep stuff. You're just asking questions for your kids and pointing them to Jesus. So for me, I felt this was like, you know, Perkins gave this message and you know, sent me his dad's book kind of thing. And um, I just remember thinking, I can do this. And I started like frantically looking for these moments and discipling my kids along the way with zero pressure, zero guilt, and it just stirs up this verse. And uh, after I read this, some of you, like you kind of need to pause on what I've said and just run with this. For the rest of you, I'm going to take it just a step deeper because that's where God took me. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 through 9. It's an old school command from the Old Testament. It still applies so much today. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And again, you see this partnership between love and obedience, right? Love and command. Love and command. There's something beautiful that happens here. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. For some of you, I'm telling you, you need to like write this reference down, put it on a mirror somewhere, and make this what you claim today. As I'm going to start just teaching my kids. I'm going to start investing in the people in my life. I'm going to get some friends together. And I'm just, as we go, I'm going to be conscious that God has a message or a lesson for me that maybe I ought to share with the people that I'm walking to work with, walking to lunch with. Every day, along the way, leaning into conversation about Jesus. And it's all just for the purpose of keeping our hearts in tune with what he's speaking, what he's doing. He's real. He's active. He has mission for you every day. So conversations that engage that, I think, are pretty victorious. Right? So 
Some of you, that's where you need to stop. You're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take the load off of this burden of discipling either my coworkers, my friends, my parents, my kids, my whatever. And I'm just going to start looking for these everyday conversations. So for me, man, finally I was, decided, I was excited about this idea of discipleship at home. It was something I leaned into. But for me, something was missing. And I felt it. Uh, maybe it's because I teach the word. Maybe I had a little, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Like I had the word sewn into me really well. I felt like there was something missing. That these sporadic, godly conversations wasn't all that was needed for my kids, and I knew it. I, there was just this gap. They needed the meat of the word of God. They needed his word, not just my questions and like guide to it. And both are good, right? Don't hear me as like, I'm like contradicting what I just shared with you for 20 minutes. Like they needed both. They needed consistency. And so I, I didn't want to, I, I, I received that. I was like, God, I feel the challenge. Like, this is great, but I need consistency and, I, and they need your word. What do I do with this? Because I don't want to go back to the way I felt. I don't want to go back to that complicated, stressful, rigid, I have to plan for hours to get 30 minutes with them. Like, it just felt so rigid to me. I was like, I got to find something new. So I'm just going to be, again, pretty vulnerable with you here because this was a, uh, there, there were only a few of these moments over the past decade but they were super convicting, super humbling. These were the moments that like, I looked at the pictures of my kids, saw them growing, and just was moved to tears. It was those guilt moments in the right way. That God kind of, it's this honestly question from my faithful wife, who just lovingly kind of would drop what was a pretty tough question because she loves me, she loves our family, and we, you know, she's always driven toward impact and making our time count. But she would ask me this question and say this statement to me, Knowing, like I'm watching her every morning at you know 7:30 a.m. open the Word of God with our daughter on a couch with a cup of coffee, faithfully pouring in. You know they're crying in prayer when they're done. Like I'm just watching this legacy being poured into my daughter, knowing like we've kind of agreed. Like it's I got the boys, she's got our daughter. Now there'll be overlap, but like they're my responsibility. And she said to me, she says, Mike, I don't want us to look back in a decade from now and have the biggest regret of our life be that you didn't disciple our boys. That one hit so deep. And I love that you didn't throw that in my face, but man, that was something maybe two to three times in a decade where she just kind of like stoked the fire to see my response in a good way. Like, I don't want the biggest regret of your life to be that you didn't disciple our boys. I had to respond. I had to do something with that. That weighed on me for years. But the complication stopped me. And on top of that kind of deep message that took root in my heart and started to grow slowly and all the confirmations of like this last year, I also recognized something else that was complicated for me. Maybe apply this how you need to in relationships, or co-workers, friends, whatever. I realized my boys are wired very differently. Got two sons and a daughter. They're both so different. And I would always try to like, oh, I got to maximize my time. I'm so busy. I got to find one environment and both boys, 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, we're going to get in the Word. They're wired so differently. One of them is crazy distracting. The other one is kind of quiet and can get overrun. And the other, you know, I was like, they're not going to hear it the same way. I'm not going to deliver it the same way. And I'm tired of being so distracted by like, hey, I just need you to pay attention. Hey, don't touch each other. Hey, quit fighting. Like, it's you fart. Like, I mean, it, like all the moments of like two boys in a room where now they're just giggling for 10 minutes. And you're like, guys, it happens, right? Whatever the moments are, I recognized I've got to separate them. God is going to speak to them differently. He's going to speak through me differently to each kid. There's a different relationship there. And I was like, I got to pack it in because I don't know when the time is going to happen. God was like, separate them. 
put them apart. So in August of last year, I go from that shame statement that was like beautifully worded with grace and love for our family of the biggest regret of my life. As of last August, I started something that I know if you ask me 40 years from now, 50 years from now, on my deathbed, Mike, what's the thing you're most proud of in your entire life? What I started in August. I wake my boys up every school day, 20 to 30 minutes before they need to be getting ready for school. Individually. Monday and Wednesday is Logan. Tuesday, Thursday is Jesse. Friday is like a flex day. You figure it out. I didn't even say, hey, Saturdays and Sundays, those can happen. That could be that platonic fun stuff. But I said, Monday and Wednesday, we're waking up at 6.05. We're going to get in the Word together. And I don't plan. We're like, hey, we finished the book of Timothy. We talk about it as we go. Well, what are we doing next, son? You want to go Old Testament, New Testament? Where do we want to land? We pray about it. We're like, hey, let's start Corinthians next week. I haven't read that one in a while. And we just read. Read like a chapter a day. I ask, what stood out to you today, man? What do you feel like God's speaking to you? What are some questions you have? Where can that become true in your life today? It's so natural, but it's intentionally consistent in the Word of God. This is the thing that I will be most proud of in my entire life that I will not regret one day because this will be a longevity habit for as long as they'll let me. I don't care if they're married. If they'll make time for me, I'll show up at a coffee shop. I'll buy them. You know, we'll get time in the Word together before they got to get up for their day. This is the easiest, smallest shift that made the biggest result. And I'm already, we see fruit. We see their life changing. Here's the truth I want to give you for this. Because this, this might strike you a little more practically. 20 to 30 minutes of sleep won't affect your day. Think about it. You get four hours, you get eight hours, you get nine hours. 20, 30 minutes of sleep makes no difference. But 20 to 30 minutes in the word of God with someone you care about is life-changing. Let that be the truth that settles into your heart that causes you to set an alarm clock differently tomorrow. So I'm going to do this. God showed me that it's a journey in the word with others. It's a journey in the word with Christ. These are where those burning heart moments come from. Conversation with Jesus in his word. Moms and dads, this is a shift in the schedule. This is that legacy producing action that you can change tomorrow. Hey, son, I heard a, I heard a message on Sunday. I had a conversation. I want to wake us up a little early tomorrow. We're going to get in the word. Daughter, we're going to start doing this habit. We're going to get with Jesus. You'll never regret it. I... I kind of already gave some application for single students or empty nesters, like maybe start a Bible study at lunch break. Maybe start a, Craig Rochelle has a great leadership podcast that's also spiritually wired. Maybe you do that at your job. Maybe you start reading a, a book or listening to a podcast and you talk about it once a week with friends. Um, invite them to your house. If you don't know somebody that knows Jesus, invite them, hey, I'd love to buy you coffee today and just start some conversation. Maybe we can listen to a podcast and you find like that middle road podcast. I don't know what it is, but here's the thing. I want to give you a chance to respond to this. This isn't a shame thing. This is the, the greatest secret I feel like God revealed to me that was the smallest shift ever in my life. And I'm just like, other people need this freedom. Other people need those burning hearts moments of excitement and pride of what we've chosen to do. So with a public show, if we can maybe even, I guess we don't need to bring the lights up because I can see you pretty well. I want you to have a public moment and a commitment thing. Thank you for the lights. Nailed it. Who's here today that says, I will commit to starting some kind of discipleship journey in the word with someone in my life. How many say, whether you've been doing this in the past or this is a new fresh start today, I commit today and I'm going to put my hand up because I want accountability in this. I will start tomorrow. I will start today. I will put plans in motion. Who will start a discipleship journey in the word with someone in their life? Amen.
Man, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a ton of hands. I'm proud of you guys. I'm excited. I want to hear stories in a month of the changing moments that happen. So literally, before you leave, like set an alarm, send a text. Hey, I'd love to have you over for coffee. Hey, son, daughter, we're going to start waking up. Hey, put action in now so you just show up. Imagine what God can do as you journey with him and others. I'd like to pray for you. We're going to give some other response times, but let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Oh, God, we thank you for your word and how it produces so much life in us. God, I'm thankful for your, your presence that you stay with us when we ask you to. Lord, I pray for burning heart moments as we say yes to this commission that you've so lovingly, simply handed us to raise others up in the word. Lord, I pray you'd meet with us there, that we would uncomplicate it, that we would be consistent and we'd experience you. God, guide us as we start this week, as we start tomorrow, making disciples who make disciples. God started in our hearts. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said,